So this week we're looking at the movie Spider-Man, No Way Home. And uh, how many of you have seen the movie? Uh, all right, a lot of, how many of you have seen like multiple Spider-Man movies? Let me just see your hands. Yeah, it's been a really, really popular um, movie series. So No Way Home is actually, I'll set it in context a little bit for those that maybe are a little less familiar with. No Way Home is the last of the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe, the MCU of Spider-Man, the Spider-Man trilogy that came out from MCU. There, there have been two previous Spider-Man movie series, uh, five films uh, in total. Tobey Maguire starred in the original trilogy. I mean, saw Tobey Maguire in the original Spider-Man. That was like back in 2002 to 2007. Five years later, Andrew Garfield uh, was Spider-Man. How many remember Andrew Garfield? Amazing Spider-Man, the amazing Spider-Man. Those were fantastic. So over two decades, we've seen three different Peter Parkers. The present one is, uh, is now Tom Holland. So we've seen three Peter Parkers, three Tom Hollands. I mean, three, not three Tom Hollands, three Peter Parkers, three Spider-Man over like a 20-year period. And No Way Home picks up right where Spider-Man Far From Home uh, ended with Spider-Man's identity as Peter Parker being revealed to the whole world. The whole world finds out who Spider-Man really is. And not only that, but people are torn over whether Spider-Man is actually a hero or whether he is a villain because of some lies that have been spread by a former villain, Mysterio. So every time Peter Parker walks down the street now, there are people on one side that are cheering and people on the other side that are booing. Everyone close to him, his Aunt May, his girlfriend MJ, his best friend Ned, all of them are paying the cost of being associated with Peter Parker. And, uh, and particularly MJ and, um, and Ned are rejected from every college that they apply to, basically because of their association with Peter Parker and the, the school that they really, really, really want to get into, which is MIT, they are rejected from that school as well. So you get a sense of all of that that I just described in the first trailer from Spider-Man No Way Home. Take a look. All right, so Peter Parker wants everyone to forget that he is Spider-Man, and he wants to undo the past. He wants to go back to a time when, when no one knew that he was Spider-Man. So he goes to Dr. Stephen Strange, who was in uh, a lot of other Marvel movies as well, to create this spell that will reverse time and make everyone forget that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. But in the midst of the spell, Peter realizes that there are some people that he doesn't want to, to have forget, like he's some people that he doesn't want them to forget that Peter Parker is, in fact, Spider-Man. Specifically, he doesn't want his Aunt May or his girlfriend MJ or his best friend Ned to forget who he is. So Peter tries to change the spell in the midst of all of this. It ends up almost blowing up the universe. And in the midst of all the chaos, Peter declares this. He says, basically, everyone who knew I was Spider-Man before should still know now. And that phrase opens the door for all of these supervillains from all of these different universes from the multiverse to show up. 
It's all the supervillains that already knew the connection between Peter Parker and Spider-Man. So basically, it's all the supervillains from the other Spider-Man series. So it's Dr. Octopus, it's Green Goblin, it's Electro, it's Lizard, it's Sandman. And that's when things really, really start to get crazy. Take a look. All right, so all of this happens because Spider-Man basically wants to undo the past. Let me just ask you a question. Have you, have you ever wanted to like undo the past? Like ha- have you ever done something or have you ever said something or have you ever written something that you wish you could go back in time and undo? Like go back in time and make a different decision. Have you ever been at like a decision point, faced a temptation in life where it's just like there was this option and there was this option and you chose poorly. Like you chose an option that now you look back and you say, oh, I, I, if I could go back in time and if I could undo that, if I could somehow make a different decision, I would absolutely make a different decision. Like I have a feeling a lot of us can relate to that. I can absolutely relate to that. But we can't go back. Like we can't undo the past. But the psalmist reminds us that God can deal with our past. And this is what the psalmist says in Psalm 51, which is my favorite psalms. And you've heard me preach on this before. It says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all of my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. You can't undo the past, but God can forgive the past. God can blot out your transgressions. God can wash away the guilt and the shame from your past. God can make you clean again. God can keep your past from determining your present. He can keep your past from controlling your present. If you're willing to give your past, repent of your past to God and seek his forgiveness. When the supervillains from all of these other universes began to show up, Spider-Man's response is not your typical superhero response. Peter finds out that all of them have been plucked from their universe right before they were killed by Spider-Man in their universe. So if he sends them back the way that they are, they will all go back to their death. So this is where Spider-Man No Way Home goes in a different direction than all the other Spider-Man movies, in fact, almost every other superhero movie. Heroism gets redefined in this movie. Instead of killing the villains or sending them back to a universe where he knows that they will be killed, Spider-Man has compassion on them 
and actually wants to cure their afflictions. He wants to heal them. He wants to make them better. He wants to get them back to their true selves. So he asked Dr. Strange to help, but Dr. Strange, interestingly enough, refuses because he says that that is not the fate of supervillains, that they are destined to be killed. He reminds Peter that villains are to be destroyed for the greater good. In other words, you have to get rid of the bad people so the good people can flourish. But Spider-Man is not deterred. Inspired by his Aunt May, who tells Peter, this is what we do, like we help people. Peter is committed to healing these villains' afflictions. He says, everyone deserves a second chance. Sound familiar? Everyone deserves a second chance. Peter's decision, of course, is shocking, maybe even for some of you, shocking for fans of comic book movies. Because these films almost always end with the villains dead or in prison. Every spider villain from the previous two franchises died at the end of their films. The vast majority of Marvel villains never lived to see a sequel. But the story of the Bible, of course, is a very different story, a very different narrative than all of these superhero movies. In these movies, the storyline is that there are good people and there are bad people and the good people need a hero, the good people need a savior to save them from the bad people. But in the storyline in scripture, it's entirely different. The storyline of the Bible is that we are the villains. All of us, that all of us have failed that all of us at times have been on the wrong side of that line that separates good and bad. The Bible simply says it this way, all have sinned, all have sinned, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The storyline of the Bible is not that the hero, the savior, loves the good people and saves the good people from the bad people. The storyline of the Bible is that the hero, the only one who is actually good, loves the bad people so much that he saves the bad people from themselves. He heals the bad people. He transforms the bad people. And that's what Peter wants to do with these villains. He wants to heal their sickness. He wants to transform them into the people that they were before they became supervillains. All of them were another person before they became supervillains. He wants to redeem them. Now initially, these if you know anything about the movie, these supervillains have no desire to be redeemed. Like no desire to be healed of anything. They have no interest in being healed. Why? Because they view themselves basically as gods. They view themselves as masters of their own universe, that they are the ones that are in control, that they are the ones that are in charge, that they don't need to be healed, they don't need to be redeemed, they don't need a savior because nothing is wrong with them. There is nothing to be saved of. Of course, You look at these supervillains as you watch this movie, 
you look at these supervillains and you want to cry out, let Spider-Man save you. Like, let Spider-Man save you. Don't you see? You are messed up. You are sick. You are broken. And you desperately need someone to heal you. Can't you see that? The Bible says that that's our story as well. In fact, it's the story of all of humanity in all of time. Everyone on the planet, everyone who has ever lived has this sickness. It's a sickness that perverts our true identity. It's a sickness that keeps us from living out our true identity. And ultimately, it's a sickness that leads to death. But there is a superhero, the narrative of scripture goes, there is a superhero who wants to heal us. There is a savior who wants to redeem us. Now, if you were on the outside of that narrative that I just described, the narrative of scripture, the overarching story of scripture, if you were on the outside of that narrative, like looking in at that narrative and watching it unfold like a movie unfolds, you would be crying out to the screen at those characters that you are looking at, let the superhero save you. Let the savior save you. Don't you see? You are messed up. You are sick. You are broken. You desperately need someone to heal you. Can you not see that? But we're not on the outside of this narrative. Looking in like a movie. We are in the midst of this narrative. We are the villains who need healing. And when we say no, the reason we say no goes all the way back to the garden. It goes all the way back to Genesis 3. The serpent told Adam and Eve that the only reason that God did not want them to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is because if they did, they would become like God. And God did not want them to become like God, but they have every right to become like God. And that's the essence, according to the narrative of scripture, that's the essence of our sickness. That's the essence of our sin. It's about wanting to be our own gods. It's about wanting to be the one in charge. It's about wanting to be the one in control. It's about forgetting that God is God and we are not. And when we forget that truth, just like the villains in the movie, we become convinced that we don't need a hero, that we don't need a savior to redeem us or heal us because there's nothing really that fundamentally wrong with us. Eventually, Green Goblin, who's played by William Defoe, unleashes uh, chaos on Peter's world, resulting in the death of his beloved Aunt May, and it causes Spider-Man to go to a very dark place at this point in the movie where he just abandons his, he abandons his hopes for redeeming 
any of these super villains. He has no real interest anymore of redeeming these super villains. Now he's filled with rage and he just wants to kill Green Goblin. But his friends, it's always important to have friends. It's always important to have community in the midst of our dark moments. His friends, his community comes around him and comforts him and reminds him of what he was told by his Uncle Ben. With great power, there also comes great responsibility. So he recommits himself to this redemptive mission, which leads to the coolest part in the movie. Maybe the coolest part in any movie that I've ever seen. Because the other two Spider-Men, Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield, from the previous Spider-Man movies, show up. From their universe, they show up to help. And all three Spider-Men are now together in the same universe. And there are so many Great interactions in the movie, funny interactions in the movie between these three Spider-Men as they compare notes from their own experiences. It's absolutely hilarious, but this is my favorite interaction. Take a look. <laughs> I love that scene. So there's an action-packed um, scene that follows where the three Spider-Man, like they work together to redeem all the supervillains, even as the supervillains are trying to destroy them. So they're trying to redeem the supervillains who are still at enmity with them and trying to destroy them. It seems like super weird, right? Someone fighting someone who is in the process of trying to save them. But that, again, is our story. This is the way Paul says it in Romans 5. But God demonstrates his own love for us and that while we were still sinners, while we were still enemies of God, while we were still, while we were still at enmity with God, while we were still fighting against God, when we were still not even sure that we needed anybody to save us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You are here today, I'm here today because Jesus provided for your salvation, the way for your salvation before you even wanted to be saved. Even before you even knew that you needed to be saved, he already, even when you were fighting perhaps against, even when you were in rebellion perhaps against God, God had already provided the way for you to be saved. In the film's climactic final scenes, after the villains have all transformed back to their true selves, there's still one uh, huge problem remaining, and it's the, the cracking of the multiverse. Uh, don't try to get your mind around that. Uh, due to the botched spell, the multiverse is cracking and even more villains now threaten to enter into Peter's world. And this is where Peter makes his, his biggest sacrifice. The only way that the world can be saved and that his friends 
can be saved is if the whole world, including those who are closest to him, forget who Peter Parker is. So he tells Dr. Strange to do whatever it takes to make that happen. And as Dr. Strange is doing his thing, Peter says all of his goodbyes. Goodbyes to his Spider-Man friends, to his girlfriend, to his best friend, knowing that, that to them, Peter Parker won't even be a memory. Now, the clip I'm about to show is the longest clip that I've shown throughout the entire At The Movies series. But it's the last week, right? It's the last week, and I wanted to end with an experience that felt a little bit like you were in the movies. So, so grab another handful of popcorn. Um, if you have a Kleenex, you might want to get that ready as well. And take a look at the conclusion of Spider-Man No Way Home. Yes, I cried at that scene. And uh, my wife did not cry at that scene. Because like many of you, she's dead inside. It's <laughs> the reason you're not crying right now at that scene. So... I wanted that final little scene to go so, did you not want it? Those of you that watched the movie, did you not want it to go down? I wanted to go so dear. I want, when he walked into the door, walked into the place that she looked and it was him that she recognized rather than Ned behind him. How terrible was that? I want him to read the letter. I keep going, read the letter. Read the letter. I want him to tell her why she know or why he knows about the, the scratch on her forehead and how she got it. I want him to, to, to tell her why he was able to finish her sentences because he knew her and she knows it. Like I wanted it to go such a different way. But in that moment, in that moment, the character feels like making this huge sacrifice of being willing to, to give up his, in essence, his identity for them even to know him, not only as part of saving the world, but part of them living their best lives. Now, it's hard not to see the parallels here in what Jesus has done for us on the cross because Jesus died a death, made a sacrifice, died a death that he did not deserve, knowing full well that he would be forgotten, that he would be rejected by some of the people that he most deeply loved. He sacrificed himself so that we could live the life that, that he created for us to, to live. He sacrificed himself so that we could be forgiven of of our sins and the slate could be wiped clean. He sacrificed himself so that we could be healed from our sickness and live lives that are whole and lives that are healthy. How does Jesus heal our sickness? By taking our sickness onto himself. That's what happened when Jesus died on the cross. That is the essence of what the cross event is all about, is Jesus taking our sickness, 
this sickness that leads to death, this sin onto himself. This is how John describes it in 1 John 4. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him, that we might be whole through him, that we might be forgiven through him, that we might live the life that we were actually created to live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And when we say yes to what Jesus has done for us on the cross, we are no longer sick. Like the supervillains in Spider-Man, we are cured. We are healed. We are restored to our, our true selves. And the question that every person has to answer is this. Who is the hero of my story? Like all of us have a story. And the question that we all have to answer is who is the hero of my story? Am I the hero of my story or is God the hero of my story? Have I convinced myself that I don't need to be healed? Or if I do need to be healed, that I have convinced myself that I can heal myself because I'm the hero of my own story, that I'm the one in charge, that I'm the one in control? Or is God the hero of my story? Have I acknowledged my need for a, a savior, a redeemer, a physician, a healer? And I know it's not me. I know that it's not me who is the one that is in charge. I, I'm not the one in charge. I'm not the one in control. I'm not the one healing myself. I resign my position as master of the universe. I've embraced the reality that God is God and I am not. Like that's the question. Who is the hero of my story? And that's not just a, a one-time decision. Like it's a decision that we have to make to begin our journey with Jesus. Like in order to enter into a relationship with Jesus, we have to decide that, that we are no longer the hero of our story, that God is the hero of our story, and that if we are gonna experience health and wholeness and forgiveness and grace and eternal life, that God has to be God and we have to realize that we are not, that we have to make God the hero of our story. So we can't even begin our relationship with Jesus until we make that decision. But even after we have started that journey, as life goes on, as stuff happens, as challenges are faced, as, as we make decisions about what we will do and, and how we will function and all of that, we over and over and over and over and over again have to bring ourselves back to that question. Who's the hero right now of my story? Like who's, who's shouldering the burden? Who's carrying the weight? 
Who, who, who is the hero right now in this moment of my story? Am, am I the hero? Am I acting like the hero? Am I staying up late at night and not going to sleep because I'm carrying the burdens of the hero? Am I like the hero in the story right now? Or is God the hero? Have I surrendered this stuff to him? I've allowed him to be the one who heals and saves and redeems and restores. God, we want throughout our whole journey with you to keep reminding ourselves that you are God and we are not. To keep reminding ourselves that we are not the hero of our own story, that you are the hero of our story. And Lord, every time we start to act like the hero, every time we start to shoulder things that the hero should shoulder, all, every time that we start to take upon ourselves only things that God should bear, God, may we step back and once again ask ourselves the question, Who's the hero right now? Is it me or is it God? God, we want you to be the savior in our lives. And for those who have never made that decision, who have spent their entire life up to this point, like trying to save themselves, frantically trying to save themselves, I pray that today, would be the day of surrender to you. Today would be the day that they make you their hero. And for those of us that struggle and maybe are struggling right now to shoulder things that maybe we just should not be shouldering, we pray that we will step back and allow you once again to take your rightful place on the throne. In the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen.